WBNE. Howdy, Oaks. Before we get started today, we just want to let you know that this episode, Bacon and Eggs, is brought to you by our patrons. We want to build this thing to be as big as it can possibly be, and we really can't do that without your help. So what we're doing is this month, any new and upgrading patrons who join our Patreon will get a sticker. Uh, you can join even if you don't stay. If you join and leave before the month is over and we charge your card on the 1st of March, that's actually fine. I don't think you will stay. I think you, I mean, I don't think you will leave. I think you'll see value and I think you'll stay. Uh, but I've already ordered the stickers. I have uh, these beautiful fun from WBNE stickers that I already have uh, for people who did this in December. Uh, and then for people who do this in uh, February, we're ordering Camp Bacon and Egg stickers that are really, really cool. Uh, um, and I'm really excited about it. So uh, go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs if you feel like this show brings you value. And go ahead and, and try it out. Pedge $3 to join our Discord or $5 to get the Hash Browns, which is our bonus show. Uh, that's going to be the most, 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 most popular tier. Or if you've got a little bit more to give, we have options up to like, what, $250 a month? I think that's Something. what it is. Something like that. But I mean, I don't expect you to do that. I expect you to, if you can, do $5 a month because I hope that you like this show and I hope that you find it valuable and I hope that you think we could use the $5 more than Netflix could, even though you could do both. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for donating. I'm looking forward to running out of stickers um, and I'm really, really excited. So thank you so much. And let's get on with the episode. Howdy, Yokes, and welcome back to Bigger Than Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And today we're starting a new job. Or maybe we're just cockroaches. So lock the basement door. And hide under the table. Because today we're bringing you... Parasite. Directed by Pong Jun Ho, uh, released May 21st, 2019, 266 days ago on an $11 million budget. Uh, what is this number I'm seeing right here, that's, Ethan? That's what the is... Korean num- money. It's 13.5 oh, billion, billion won. won. Okay, I thought that was saying it won 13.5 billion. <laughs> I realized billion that dollars. as soon as you started having an issue with it, but to me who read right. it, I was like, oh, it's 13.5 billion won. Duh. Well, okay, but it reads like one. No, anyway. no, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. <laughs> it was a problem I did not foresee until the second that you started having the problem. <laughs> right. It's a smart investment. It has made $175.9 million worldwide so far, but it is being re-released in black and white, which I think will be good, really good yeah, for I this movie. Yeah, I would go to see that. It's got great color, really, really great color, but I think in black and white, it'll also be excellent. Um, I got a 99% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 92% audience rating, uh, which is lower than I thought and higher than I thought, respectively, and a 96 on Metacritic. You thought that 99 was low? Yeah, I think I, I would be. I cannot imagine a critic going to see this movie. Like even I, in my mild right, critical but self, but it's Rotten Tomatoes, right? I know there's there's somebody that there's like people whose job it is to be like the first negative review. There are only five Rotten there reviews five. on all of Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes, and none of them are from uh, like sources. You know, they're like they're they're the kind of publications that like I would not normally read. Armand White did not like it. And Armand White's name I've seen before, and he doesn't like a lot of stuff that we like. Uh, no, Armand White is his job. He's one of these people. He gave a negative review to 1917, to Uncut Gems, yeah, to Little to, Women. to Birds of Prey, to, to Just Mercy, to 1917, to Uncut Gems, to Little Women, to Hidden Life, to Bombshell, to Richard yeah, Jewell. So that's no, he liked job. Richard Jewell. He didn't like Marriage Story. He, he did didn't not like, like Marriage Story. Harriet. He, he did like Ford versus Ferrari. Heck yeah, he did. He did not like Motherless Brooklyn. <laughs> he, did, he did not like Harriet. He did not like The Irishman. 
Yeah, that's this dude's job. He did not like Jojo Rabbit. He did not like Parasite. We're... He did not like Joker. <laughs> but we're here to talk about Parasite, which won, swept with four Academy Awards for uh, best director. Sc- or best original screenplay, best uh, director, best international film, and best uh, picture. Film. Best movie. Yeah, be- just best best film in general. Unom- unanimous uh, vote at, at Cannes, at the Cannes Can Film Festival, the Pont du First unanimous vote since uh, 2013's Blue is the Warmest Color, that movie about lesbians. Uh, I also saw, in the realm of, of, of Asian film, I saw The Farewell this year, which was also similarly challenging to watch i i uh, okay so let's get into binary on parasite ethan yeah this is a one this is a one yeah you have to watch the best picture winner foreign film i feel like even if you watch it and you hate it it's important for you to pay money to see it yeah definitely (laughs) definitely (laughs) important that you give this money your your, this movie your four dollars Yes. If they release it, re-release it in theaters around here in black and white, I will go see it. I cannot imagine sitting through two hours and 11 minutes of this. Um, actually, it's 205, two, 208? I don't know. There's like three and a like half that. minutes of credits. Um, in one sitting, I broke it up into five segments. That's insane. I don't know how you watch movies like that. Uh, I don't like to watch movies like that. Almost always, I would prefer to sit and watch them all in one sitting. Uh, but this movie being the one exception in that, like, I started watching it last night and I was like, all right, I need to make at least an hour into it before I go to bed. And I did. Um, and like an hour in is moments before it turns. Yes. Um, like I came back and turned it back on, and the doorbell rang with the uh, old housekeeper. Yeah, it's a it's a a slow burn for sure on this one. Uh, and it's one of those ones where like it's very smart with the score. Like it's it's silent for most of the film, and then it's you know when there's score, there is score. It's, it's big, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, this uh, is there's I, I watched it in one sitting. I I can't imagine getting up. Honestly, I don't even think I went to the bathroom. I was compelled start to finish. Every time I turned it on, I would watch it because like the way my day is set up at work. I have, like, not enough time to finish a movie during any of my breaks, but I have enough time over all of them to finish a movie. Um, And, like, every time I would turn it on and watch it for 15 minutes, I would go back to my desk and my heart was racing. Yeah, for sure. This is, this is like, literally, I texted you last night and I was like, this is a, what, if if you told Jordan Peele he was al- not allowed to make a horror movie that still had to be compelling, this is what you would get. This is all suspense, no horror. Right. Like, well, when we talk I mean, about Jordan, off at the end. We talk about but... Jordan Peele being like, oh, it's the modern day Hitchcock. Like, this is a movie that Alfred Hitchcock would be like, yeah, that was a good one, guys. <laughs> you guys should give him the Oscar. Yeah, you really did. Uh, I really nailed that one. It's so good. I like. I really enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, the acting was so incredibly good. The I didn't mind the subtitles at all. I don't. I don't watch a lot of movies in foreign languages, but uh, I think there is a learning curve. But it's it's quick. I've seen a fair few for sure. Um, I've seen truthfully maybe three in theaters and outside of theaters again maybe three. So like I I have seen. I, fully I would accept. say I've seen less subtitled movies than your average person that as far as americans go i've seen less subtitled movies than your average person that watches japanese movies but more than your average person that watches movies that makes sense you know what i mean like i i think i've, I've probably seen more subtitled movies than joe goes to the theater but i've seen less than like you know my friends that watch proper anime oh yeah i i've definitely seen less than my friends who watch proper anime uh on that topic i feel like it has to come up in this conversation why can i not get into anime i don't know i have no i i can't speak for you <laughs> 
I don't try often, and every time I I do try, I revisit something. It's like it's like when I try to get back into reading. I revisit something that I know I like, and I'll read seven Harry Potter books over the course of like three weeks. And I'm like, man, that was a lot of reading. I'm gonna take a break from that hobby for a while. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, and then uh, then the same thing happens with the anime, where I'll be like, all right, well, I'm just gonna start with something light that I know. I'm gonna watch a season of Dragon Ball Z, and I'll do that, and I'll be like, man, that was pretty good. But I am out of time for watching anime. Yeah, I like as far as the TV shows go, at least the ones that we got in the states. Like a lot of those story arcs are just exhausting. Like we make the 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 like find out next on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z jokes because it's so true that like there'll be entire episodes of Dragon Ball Z that just nothing happens. Right, we're just it's waiting like, for it's Goku. like Goku charging a thing, a spirit bomb, yeah. a spirit bomb. Yeah, for an entire thirty minute episode. And also, like, I, for me, I, you know, I, I'm notoriously more cold on animation than your average person. And I think that the traditional Japanese anime is, like, among my least favorite of the animation styles. It yeah, just doesn't would... it doesn't do it for me. Now, obviously, there are uh, exceptions to that. Like, I can look at a, at a Studio Ghibli movie, at, at a Miyazaki movie, and be like, okay, this is really well done, guys. Like, I get it. I'm aware. Yeah. Like, this is pretty. And I've noticed, and, and I still don't regularly watch anime, I still because I'll try with a season of Dragon Ball Z, and then it's the same thing the same vicious cycle um but i've seen like promos and things and a lot of youtubers and podcasters that like will promote crunchyroll um and i've seen some of the more modern stuff where like the technology has sort of caught up with the medium uh where like they can put out an episode every week that actually has some decent animation in it right. uh, not that there's never been any in the history of anime i'm sure there are some really cool scenes but there's also lots of scenes of dragon ball z which are just like a looping animation of goku and vegeta punching and missing each other right like so and bad synced dialogue in any language right i also don't like you know what they do in anime and this is this is like such a weird uh pet peeve is is this noise right here oh 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 they, they do that noise all the time like is in response to things it drives me crazy i might just have to bleep that out <laughs> That was like risque. <laughs> anyway, so 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 let's talk about um because this is obviously a subtitled movie. I mean, I this is one of the ones where we've decided like we're not gonna make a dub of this. Well, yeah, no, a dub would be terrible. Well, I mean, we've never we've never had to watch dubs for the most part. There was so, I mean, when we were like way young, there was that was still sort of a trend. Well, again, but that was like you know we had some four kids imported anime cartoons like four the number four like four kids entertainment imported Japanese oh. anime cartoons. They just completely changed. They re wrote it like right and they would their 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 mouths wouldn't do anything other than like open slightly right um but i mean like you know we we as americans the country where the most movies come from where we predominantly speak english here like we have grown up fortunate to not ever have to like watch a dub and like i've seen i've i've watched uh like we did this because i took a, a class in college where i had to watch um films in spanish mm -hmm. and we watched just as an introduction we watched like 30 minutes of like the spanish dub of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone was it good i mean no it was a dub like it was weird <laughs> but it was harry just like sounds like a grown man it was yeah it was like it, you know, there was no because especially in with um, and I can't speak. You know, there's no other languages that I speak to comment on the dubs, but a lot of like the way that dubs are done for Spanish movies, it's very like there's not a whole lot of dynamic acting to it, like dynamic voice acting. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of Hagrid being like, "Oh, Harry, tu eres un wizard," <laughs> and it's just like everybody's constantly screaming at each other. <laughs> Soy un qué? Yeah, and then it would just be like, so you can get? Because Harry's like a grown, yeah, like a grown person. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's not that Harry's a grown person, but then you start to realize that like they've got eight people working on this project. 
Right, right. They they sent this off and they were like, we need this done uh, soon-ish. <laughs> and there's just some, it, it's just the way the, that, the way that romance languages especially don't fit over English movies. Yeah. Like just the sentence structure is completely different. Now, I mean, subtitles in this film, did it bother you at all? It Like for me, five minutes in, I was like, okay, I, I, I can listen and read and watch all at the same time. This is fine. I'm good. Yeah. No, it didn't. It didn't bug me at all. I I watch almost everything with the subtitles on in English. I I go back and forth on that. If it's something that I I want to, pay, what I liked about the subtitles, what I like about subtitles in general is that it forces you to pay attention because, especially with a with like a, 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 a film in another language, I would have like, to. I, I would look down for at my phone and then realize that I missed something. I'd have to roll the whole movie back. It's like I can't. Right. I can't understand it. And it would, right. I would get so sucked into it that I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally get this. Like that, that matches what they're saying perfectly. And then I would look at my phone. I'm like, what did they just say? What did they just say? I, like, no oh, I just don't said. speak Korean. <laughs> like, right. Duh. So yeah, it was, it was, I was in it to the point where like I stopped thinking about whether or not it was in a different language. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was the same way. Uh, do you know what this movie really reminded me of, which is, a, I'm going to say a film that I know you didn't see. But if you like this movie, I think you would also like Thoroughbreds, which is very, very, yeah, very similar to this. Oh, it's so similar. It's like it's like Parasite meets Gossip Girl, but way more like Parasite than Gossip Girl. All right. <laughs> oh. Really, the the only similarity isn't that, is isn't that like uh, what is that movie? And not movie that TV show. Um, something about liars. Pretty Little Liars. Pretty Little Liars. Okay. Imagine that spectrum, but like Pretty Little Liars is close to Gossip Girl. This is close to Parasite. Okay. I was going to say, like that, that's what you just described. I, it is what I just it's described. It's like, oh, it's Gossip Girl, but we killed somebody. <laughs> I remember I, I definitely texted you about 30 minutes into this movie. Like when uh, the score starts playing in the really horror movie way, when like um, Kevin air quotes like goes up the stairs for the first time or maybe it's the girl goes up the stairs for the first time with the with the mom to meet the kid and it's like super horror movie script and i texted you and i was like i'm waiting for them to just start killing each other oh my gosh yeah every single scene i was like well somebody is going to die in this scene and you were like oh that doesn't happen and then it, like it definitely happened that was the thing is like i i watched this movie and people were like describing it is not horror and that's fine it's not horror but it's definitely not like like what I was expecting was almost like Hail Caesar, where like they go in and they become the parasites of this family and then they get out and then the movie ends. And that's what made oh, it like I knew so... that there was no way they were going to get out. I didn't know that there was going to be... They couldn't leave well... That was the thing is they could not leave well enough alone. Like they, they, they could have stopped after the two kids. They could have stopped after the dad. But they had to go that last step. They had to... They literally talked about like, oh, this woman is like, you know, she's she's on it. She's all there. And they were she's still like... She's been here like, longer than the family. Yeah, she's been here longer than the family. She survived a, a change of ownership. And they're like, nah, let's get her out. And I was like, ah, yes, this is the moment. This is where you push too hard. Yeah. And then when she showed up and rang the doorbell right at about an hour in, I was like, oh, she's just going to kill all of them. Oh, when, yeah, when that doorbell rang, my spine stopped working. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was God, like, oh, this, this is, is it. This is it. This is where it goes. This is where it breaks bad. And it is definitely where it breaks bad, but in, in a way I never could have thought. Right. Like, people, because that was the whole argument is people were like, what is the parasite? And I'm like, at the end of it, I'm like, parasite? What, what is the parasite? <laughs> Wait, you don't know what the parasite is? I mean, yeah, I do. I get it. But like, it's it's so multi-leveled. Yeah. So they like live in the sewer and then they become the parasites to these rich folks. And there's no bugs in the movie except in the sewer and on the dead man's body. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't live in a sewer. They live in a basement. They live. I mean, they live in a basement that gets flooded by sewage. 
Yeah, that's apparently a big problem in uh, Seoul. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I was fascinated by the scene where she was like, oh, this the scene where he's driving and she's in the car and she's like, thank goodness for this rain. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, obviously he's definitely not justified in what he does at the end, uh, but you, like just that character development is fascinating. Right. Yeah. It's just, there's such a disconnect there. Yes. Um, and like, I, you know, I, you and I have never been poor. Like even when we were in college and broke, it's like, we still had food yeah oh yeah we still had food we still had everything we'd ever need right there's a big there's a a, a not to say that there's not a a false distribution a messed up distribution of wealth in the states but like this is a level that doesn't exist here correct i like you're led to believe that the kims the parasites are are pretty well off for people of their station they have phones yeah they have phones and they have friends who are in like college and things, and they know like they're they're smart. Exactly, and that leads you to believe there's like a there's a worse place to be. Yeah, and that's just wild. I don't know. I'm I'm this this movie left me not speechless, but like you know I definitely I didn't see it before it won the Oscar, and I was definitely like, okay, is the hype there? And it took me like five minutes to realize it. Like, yeah, the hype is there. Yeah, it's a beautifully beautifully shot. It's very very good. Uh, do I think this is the only movie that could have won Best Picture this year? Uh, no, no, I think 2019 was truly a really good year for movies. Yeah. I I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had a had a, a fair run in it. Honestly, I, I mean, I know this is after the fact, and this is definitely a great film that we should be celebrating and, and excited about. But I also think that there is a conversation where at least one of the fandom movies of the year makes a run at Best Picture. But like, truly, there's so many good options. I don't say that to take away from any of them. I say that because they are all good. I'm truthfully glad that none of the fandom movies got a nomination for Best Picture. I thought it was interesting. I, I thought I, I'm not like upset by any means, right? The whole point of the Oscars is to to shed light on art films and then have them make money so that hopefully we can make more money for more art films uh, and people can like more creatively think about the experience of, of going to the movies and engage with the medium in a new way. So like, I'm cool with nominating an $11 million movie from Seoul that is fantastic in every single way and letting it win. I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. I, I don't want that to be taken away at all because i think you could easily make an argument for this being the best movie of the year but i also think about i think a lot about how like the ranking system doesn't make any sense like there are not countless but i don't know 15 films from 2019 all in that sort of god tier echelon that could be described as the best film of the year it's like a I, do you know what i'm trying to say it's yeah. like that and, but those, and, those and again like black systems. panther got nominated for almost everything last year and and people what people are forgetting is that like joker is a fandom movie joker is a fandom movie like even i forgot it just now because i was like wow none of the fandom movies really did get nominated and i was like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute the dc joker <laughs> made like a billion film. dollars yeah that's the thing is it's not dceu like I, do, will he not exist with Robert Pattinson? Is that what I'm led to believe? I don't believe? think so, no. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. My understanding of the DCEU is that we are assuming that DC wants to do the same thing Marvel did. Well, no, 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 no. We're not assuming anything. They have okay. said that. Now they're trying to go back on it because a bunch of those movies failed. That was their well, plan. I, I think if you're DC, that's what you have to do, right? Like, Yeah, but I also is... think they should, they should be punished heavily for it. <laughs> They were. They made a bunch of terrible movies and people didn't pay to see them. Right. And currently they have what's likely a really good movie out that made $33 million its opening weekend, which led the box office, but is an abysmal score for a superhero film. Well, it's January, February, I guess. It's still an abysmal number for a superhero film. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I, I truly think that uh, Endgame took the theater boom with it. I really I really believe that. Endgame did something to the movies that, that we're not going to see again for a long time, I think. Right. Like, yeah. but people, people were like, when Endgame 
game ended, people were like, I can, there were a bunch of people that legitimately thought, I can stop going to the movies every freaking month now. Yeah. I thought about closing shop on the podcast, you know? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but it's like last year you had a Netflix movie get nominations for everything. This year you had two and you had a movie that is in a different language win best picture. Like things are changing from those perspectives. And like we had, we had 10 and some change years of like, we're going to go to the movies a lot. We're going to go to the theater a lot. Like we're, yeah. we, we're revitalizing movie theaters. And then, uh, you know, I, I, everything's down right now. Like everything across the board is down right now. Like Rise of Skywalker didn't, did it do a billion? I'm sure it did. It must have. Yeah. But it wasn't like I stopped after, after five days, I stopped hearing about it. Yeah. I think that was the nail in the coffin was like, okay, we made it through Marvel. We did the Spider-Man thing. And then we did Star Wars and it was the last Star Wars, the last Marvel. And we're just, I'm done. If I wasn't done before, I'm done now. Rise of Skywalker made $1.064 billion. You go, right? Rise of Skywalker. 1.064. That's Scary nothing. Think. Scary to think that that's nothing, isn't it? <laughs> no, but that's the thing is I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. We were talking to James about it. It's like, I am not ready for more MCU. No, I know. Like, and I don't think Black Widow even particularly looks that good. The, the most recent spot, the one they did during the Oscars, I thought looked better than the other ones that I'd seen. Uh, I'm still I'm, not excited, especially since I just watched two movies back to back where I did not particularly enjoy Scarlett Johansson. You watched Jojo Rabbit and... Marriage Story. Oh, I want to watch Marriage Story. It's really good. But Adam Driver carries that movie for sure. I hate to be that guy that's like, oh man, Scarlett Johansson got a nomination because of how good the other guy did. But like, he really, like, he got those nominations for both of them. For for Laura Dern too. Laura Dern was... I, I haven't seen Marriage Story, but Laura Dern is... We're giving the world to Laura Dern in 2020. The Jurassic World. <gasps> is the one of those coming out this year? I don't know. Are they still doing them? Yeah, they're making a third one. Oh, rock on. Go Chris Pratt. Go Laura Dern. Laura Dern was not in the other two. Well, I believe Laura be. Dern was in Jurassic Park and that was it. Like, Yeah, but that's the one that everybody cares about. I mean, for sure. It was Ellie Sattler. But then like, they replaced her with a different blonde woman in the next movie. She still looks like she could be the young woman in Jurassic Park. That's fair. Um... <sighs> What was I going to say? I don't know. I had a comment. But yeah, no, this was just a really good, like, there were movies last year that were nominated for all the awards for Best Picture where I was like, okay, there's no way these are going to win. And then it won. What? No. Last year. Yeah, last year. The one you said, no way this will win, and it won. No, I definitely thought that one was going to win. You thought Green Book was going to win? I thought I was in with a shot for sure. Really? Yeah, dude. It's exactly the kind of crap the Oscars has historically liked to pull. I don't even remember what else was nominated last year, which is such a problem. And I'm so mad that the Oscars does this to me, where it's like, if the Oscars nominates it, I immediately forget about all other great movies I saw last year, and it makes me really sad. Um... I mean, I would say that the two best movies I saw this year were not nominated for really anything. I don't want to... Uh, listen, we're not doing the IMDb uh, tunnel. Laura Dern is confirmed in Jurassic World 3 as really? Ellie Sattler. Oh, yeah. Wild. Oh, yeah. She was also the voice in the Jurassic World Evolution video game. Okay. And she was Franny in The Fault in Our Stars. You're welcome. Yeah, I know that. That was six years ago. I know. She was also Vice Admiral Amelyn Haldo. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. A movie that I loved. Yeah, I did <laughs> Last also. Last year was Green Book, Black Panther, Black Klansman, uh, the favorite Bohemian Rhapsody, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. But like, realistically, Vice did not deserve a nomination. Bohemian Rhapsody absolutely did not deserve a nomination. And there's not a movie. I mean, I, I, I am mad at Joker, but a lot of people liked it. There's not a movie on the list this year where I was like, and I've watched uh, all but two of them now. Which ones are you missing? I know you're missing Joker. What's the other one? 1917. Um, which I very much want to see. I just, it's, it's theaters. Right. My thing with, uh, well, I don't want, yeah, I'm still not going to talk about Joker on this show. No, I'm not either. Yeah. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is 
acceptance speech was the wackest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> what was that? I he was like talking, he was talking, and you were a few seconds ahead of me. And at first I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And then you, <laughs> sa- I sent a message that was like, speech ain't bad. And you were like, what are you talking about? And yeah, then like, because you- I had just gotten through, you know, we take an artificially inseminated cow and we right. steal its babies. <laughs> right. And I was like, and then like, as soon as you said, what are you talking about? That started on my screen and I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> Facts, yeah, for sure. Uh, but no, Parasite was such a good movie. It's definitely better than the singular other Bong Joon Ho movie that I've seen, which is Snowpiercer. Oh, we talked about Snowpiercer on the show, not as like an episode, but about a concept. Uh, it's a very, it's a very concept movie. It is a very cool concept with a very cool script that is just like it's one of those movies where it's got like a ninety three percent, and I'm like, I can't, I can't find anything wrong with it, but. You know, it was just, it was all right. It was good. It was a fun movie. It's just, it's incredibly predictable. Literally everything happens in a straight line. Yeah, because it's on a train. It's on a train. Yeah, they, they they start at the back of the train and get to the front of the train and that's the movie. Well, that's pretty interesting. Who doesn't love traveling to the front of a train? No, I mean, it's very, it's a very cool movie. It's got Chris Evans, and Tilda Swinton and John Hurt and Ed Harris and a bunch of Korean people. And Ed Helms. No, I'm kidding. He's not it Ed. does not have Ed Helms. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Um, this is this hardcore movie. And look, is that Jason Sudeikis? It does also have a uh, important character named Namgung in it. Is that a reference to this movie? That I... is the name of the architect in this movie. Oh, The guy yes, who owned and built the house. Yes, he built the house. And the family that replaced him were from Germany, which mm-hmm. I did not get at first. I didn't realize they moved out. Uh, yeah, they moved out because Mr. Park was dead. Right. She probably didn't have any money then. Well, she I mean, probably, she probably had his money. I don't know how yeah, that works in South Korea, but- I can also, like, I can understand not particularly wanting to live in the house where your husband was killed. Yeah, I can totally get that. Yeah. Hundo P. Um, I'm just looking at Chris Evans' face right now. <laughs> it's distracting. It, it is distracting. It's a no, nice it's just job. this weird, like, Wikipedia picture of him with, like, his mouth slightly open that I accidentally clicked and made full screen. <laughs> Hang on. I'll drop it in the Skype chat. <laughs> if I can. Skype is the weirdest program. That probably didn't work. That did not work. There we go. Just I, I just accidentally full screened this picture of Chris this this picture of Chris Evans. <laughs> Where it's just oh, like it's yeah. clearly from like a panel or something, and he's just like what? <laughs> oh, and it distracted man. me from talking about Parasite. I'm gonna go back to the Wikipedia page for Parasite so I can Now there are other movies with this title. Are they the same film or no, this is original screenplay. Ah. Uh, yes, original screenplay. Okay. Cause when I looked it up, it was like the sixth result on on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, what I mean it's on a, earth? it's you, you look up any single word on, on uh, Rod Tomatoes and you get some wild results. It's true. Yeah. There's a lot of films. But now, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Do you have any desire to ever see it again? Yeah. I, I would absolutely, like I said, I would go watch it again if it was in black and white. If they, I would uh, go watch it true. in theaters. Yep, yep. I, honestly, honestly, I really enjoyed the color in this movie. I thought it was aggressively green. There's a lot of green. I was I like, there's a lot of shots where I was like, this is a beautiful, and I guess I just don't like green in stuff as much as uh, some other people. Well, I just I've noticed that about myself as a photographer where like, I, the the color of grass doesn't interest me that much. Where like I'll look at people's pictures and I'm like, you really like this, but this is a lot of green. And that's how I felt about this movie. I was like, this is a this is an aggressive amount of grass. And I get that it's like it's a disparity thing. Like there's no grass in Seoul. Right. It's also like they're they're insects and they live in the grass. Yes. I cannot stress enough how much they are the cockroaches in this house. Yeah, for sure. And like, everything would have been fine if they just left well enough alone. They could have gotten d- three of them in there. They could have gotten three of them in there, or they could have just you know not all been there. I like. 
I don't think any of that anybody should have been there when they were out camping. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. That was a definite like. There's things about this movie that are very predictable, and also things, and, and that's why it's a great script. Is like there's things that lead you down a road, and then it doesn't go there. Yes, and I did not expect like when when the housekeeper was like in the weird position trying to open the thing. I thought she was trying to kill herself. Yeah, I did too. I thought she was trying to like get high enough that she could fall and die. I absolutely did as well. Um, and they would have this problem of like a dead body in the basement. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Which they did have that problem. They did. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing right. is like. As soon as, as soon as they left to go camping, I was like, oh, the family's going to come over and that's going to be a problem because the family is going to come back. And like, not exactly what happened, but what did end up happening. And then like, I was like, oh, when the, when the doorbell rang, I, I could totally see that coming. And I was like, oh, somebody's going to come over and the doorbell rang and it was the old housekeeper. And I was like, oh, she's just going to kill them all. Well, not quite. Not quite. She only, who ends up dying? The daughter. Daughter's the daughter ends up dying. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. I guess we've made it this far in. You'd probably have seen the movie. If you haven't, you probably don't care about seeing the movie. Or you're, yeah, you're, if you have. But we have been talking about it like very vaguely. So people that haven't seen the movie are like, what is going on in this movie? So let me, let me, let me run down a synopsis of the yeah, film. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. Yeah. So basically the story is about this, this poor family in Korea who uh, the youngest, I guess he's the youngest, right? The son in the family uh, meets his friend and his friend says, I currently tutor for this young girl, um, but I am going abroad and I think you should take over. Uh, and and so he takes over and it's with this like ultra rich family. And so he like finds ways to get the rest of his family jobs working there. And it's like a con. They're not like, they don't reveal that they're family. They're like- Right. He recommends the sister, and- the sister recommends the dad, the dad recommends the mom and they get a couple people fired. Right. And, and, uh, but like, you don't feel like you're cheering for their team for most of the time. Yeah. They're uh, the even, protagonists. Even though they're, even though it kind of turns to them being the villains. But so they get like, they're all hired there. And it's like this whole elaborate, like, how are we going to keep working here? The kid notice, like, with the youngest child of the family that they're working for, notices they all smell the same. So they have to start showering differently. Uh, and then it goes on. And eventually, the one of the people that got fired shows up and, uh, it turns out she has been like she's been a housekeeper in the house since before the family got there, and she has been harboring her husband in the basement of this home for like ten years. Uh, and he's like happy to live down there because the commentary is that like people in this social class are are essentially cockroaches. Uh, but so are the right. He the, was in trouble with the loan sharks, and that's just like a thing that happens in Asian countries. Right, and then like all of these rich Asian homes have these secret. Yeah, they they even said they have bunkers for in case the creditors show up. Right, uh, which is some bonkers stuff yeah uh, and the owners don't know about it and it's like this weird crazy situation in the basement so then obviously things fall apart when like when the family goes away for a weekend but it's raining and they're going camping so they have to come back uh but while they're coming back the old housekeeper shows up and reveals everything and then they show up while like the house is a wreck and then uh, just kind of falls apart from there right yeah the the Mother of the family accidentally kills the old housekeeper by pushing her down a flight of stairs and she dies. And then her husband uh, attacks the son the next day and then kills the daughter. And then the mother kills him. And then the dad kills the rich guy and then hides in the basement. Yeah. Oh, the ending's good. Yeah, the ending is definitely good for sure. Yes, God tier. It's kind of like Get Out in a lot of ways where it's like super anxiety building the entire time it is like this ultra tense movie where your heart is racing through every single scene oh for sure and you don't know when it's gonna happen but you know ish is gonna go down it's a very slow burn for sure like it takes an hour for really anything to happen right. you're never bored you're never bored you're like oh, mm, eh, mm, it's a bad idea it's a bad idea and they keep Just getting saying. themselves right and the, and the whole thing is and like they get deeper and deeper in yeah they get deeper and deeper in and the whole thing is like 
like the the youngest son uh once saw the husband in the basement oh, i'm getting chills just thinking about it. that whole yeah, shot once saw was, the husband in the, oh that shot of him coming up the stairs the crazy eyes yeah Oh, God. Yeah. Once saw the husband in the basement and then ha- started having a seizure and has like a traumatic experience because of that and is now is kind of like they're very, not they're all very there careful with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and really, like, honestly, they have some negative traits for sure. But these these this family is really only guilty of being rich. And yeah, they're not like they're very smart. Uh, they're apparently they're just ignorant to like the issues of the world. Yeah. Like, th- that's what I'm saying is that their crime is being of the upper class. And not really having a... And incredibly reckless with their money to the point where, like, this whole family is working for them, living on a pretty solid income. But, like, anytime the family needs them to do anything, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just pay you every time. It's no big deal. Like, nothing is a big deal. There's no financial Right, because no, this, this, they're, they're paying four salaries to the same family, but it's nothing for them. Right. Um, but, like, they clearly care about their kids. You know, they, they, they kept showing scenes of the dad and the son, like, really digging each other. Yes. And so they're, tr- it's definitely trying to paint them as, like, they're, they're good people that have flaws just like everybody else um i don't you know there's there's some complicated commentary here for sure and the well and the the poor family is like bad people like definitely the the father talks about how like it's pointless to have ambition or a plan because it'll never go the way you expect it to uh and but that's just that i mean that's a lot of their those cultures man it's like when i when i was in india i met a girl who went to one of the schools that we played at and she was like a she was majoring in biochemical engineering at this you know, basically the Virginia Tech of India. And she was like, yeah, no, people of my class, especially women of, or people of my cast, especially women of my cast, usually don't have jobs like this. And like my my parents were trying to discourage me from trying to rise above my station the whole time. And just no. using this very like what I would consider to be outdated language about like the way we look at things like that. But yeah. it's still a real thing there. So it's like it's a whole different way of thinking and way of thinking about things. Yeah. Yeah. There's this other like constant theme throughout the film of this um, uh, sort of superstition of things that bring wealth. Uh, and one of them is this stone that the son carries around. And like when he first receives it, it is like really well presented in this beautiful box and it's heavy. And they say, oh, this is supposed to bring wealth. And it's like this like pretty st- rock that looks like sort of like a cliff face uh, that you would like display in your house. Like it looks really- It's a scholar's rock. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. I've never, it's not something I'm familiar with, but- No, but it's uh, like, I, I if you Google that, it's like, it's a thing. Okay. But by the end of the film, it has only brought it's brought them like money and in turn like the evils that come with money mo money mo problems but then by the end he like sticks it in the water and it just looks like a river rock yeah but also like it literally brings the material wealth because the dude that brought it brought them wealth yeah like in that scene he's like hey i brought the yeah. stone for you also i got you a job yeah um you can buy scholars rocks can you how yeah. much are they? lots yeah like like how much is like twenty five hundred dollars or like uh yeah like anywhere from like nine hundred to like ten thousand really yeah you can get chinese scholars rocks and korean scholars rocks Huh. This, is, and this is truthfully not something I'd ever heard of before. It is. I, I, I'm not trying to say that I had heard of it, but it's like when it came up on screen, I was like, pause. I'm going to Google this and see if this is a real thing. I'm curious. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Is this real? Is this? Uh, I feel so weird. Can I talk about this? I feel very weird that I'm like afraid to admit that there are things about this culture that I don't know as though exploring art like this isn't all about learning things about a culture I know nothing right, about. Right, Like, that's the whole point of the, not the whole point of watching this, but that's part of the celebration of watching foreign films is right. learning things about that culture. Yeah, because we pour everything from culture into movies. We just don't notice it because, like, we watch predominantly, like, American movies or, or British movies. Right. Movies but made can, in, in, can... in English-speaking countries. And even when, even when like, a black person makes a movie in America, we're like, what? <laughs> no way! That's what you experience? Right, like, Whoa. when somebody makes an honest 
honest an honest movie about like what black people deal with, everybody turns their head and is just like, "Oh my god!" But this isn't like Tyler Perry said it was. Right. But even beyond that, if you put into your your Blu-ray player Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you see uh, an outpouring of culture that probably just looked like movie the year it came out. Oh, for sure. You know, I think uh, Bong Joon Ho was quoted after this movie came out, or after this his maybe during one of his speeches as saying, "If Americans can get over the one inch barrier of subtitles, they can see a lot more great movies." And he's exactly right. I think uh, I think a lot of people are going to see this one. <sighs> definitely, that's what I love about the Oscars is, and I had tweeted about this, but it usually puts a worth watching stamp on a good movie. Correct. But I, I stand by what I said. This isn't the end all be all of good cinema in 2020 or 2019. And that's sort of the double edged sword of it is like there were a lot of good movies that didn't get celebrated. But there's also now a lot of movies that did get celebrated, like 10 movies or however many there were that were celebrated and will be seen by a lot more people because they were Oscar nominated. Yeah. Like I said, I watched I watched seven of nine and definitely out of those seven, I, I think almost all of them immediately. Well, I saw a couple of them before, but almost all of them made their way into my you know top 10, top 15 list ever. No, for, for the year. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, dang. No, uh, ever. I don't know. That's complicated. Definitely. Definitely. There were some that stuck with me for sure, but none of them, not necessarily the ones that got nominated. Yeah. And you know, speaking about the, the show itself, the Oscars, I really liked the show. I thought it was a really good show this year. Yeah. It was funny. There was lots of good bits. Uh, I think Diane Keaton and Keanu Reeves were just high. You think that's what it was? It seemed like it, because neither of them could, like, talk. Well, sometimes they do that where, like, they'll go out and do this bit. I've noticed Diane Keaton was, like, wearing a hat and sunglasses indoors. I, I've noticed that. that this It's this bit you see at the Oscars every few years where they just come out and, like, pretend that they're not there. And I, I don't like it. It's not there were funny. Some, there were some funny bits. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell... Pretending not to know what the jobs were and like talking smack about editors for all the times they've been edited out of movies. I do. That think, was funny. But if you if you hear that introduction to the award and you win for cinematography, are you like, thanks, guys? No, I think Roger Deakins was like, I've got up there for cinematography and was like, when he heard this is Roger Deakins' second win and fifteenth nomination, he was just like, thank you, thank you. I had a lot of fun making nineteen seventeen. Yeah, which that was that was no that was hands down. Like I haven't even seen that movie and I know that that was a hands down win. Like, oh yeah. Although this this Parasite film, had you seen it? It has a, a bunch of good shots. Oh, for sure. This this movie did a lot. And that's the thing is like, this is why I love art films is because like anybody could put a camera on a tripod. But Bong Joon-ho puts a camera on a tripod better than most people. Yes. <laughs> like there was a lot of locked off shots in this movie that I'm like, that was beautiful. There's shots of the basement door, man. And how the basement door, like there is no door to it. It's just darkness. Well, and the first, the, literally the first scene of... Uh, the son trying to find the house where it like it's a big wide alley that you see him walk into the shot and you're like looking down at him and then he like walks halfway up and it switches to the camera being at the bottom it was like early in the movie and I was like this is really good shots but they're literally just like locked off single shots the whole thing was cool it really was my heart was racing all day I bet I and lost 15 pounds Sorry. today <laughs> I don't think he lost 15 pounds today hey I'm getting my splat points did you see the desk. video that uh, Andy Bell posted? No. About the uh, guys that won for sound mixing or sound design, sound editing, maybe sound mixing. Oh, yeah, I he don't said know. he'd watch it, for, but like watch it with headphones or something. Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. I watched that whole thing and I'm like, I'm sitting here like, oh man, these are the guys that won the Oscars. Like, and, and I was like, why don't they just do every movie like this? Like the sound for every movie like this. I'm like, 
Because it took these dudes like a year. Right. And they're the dudes that won the Oscar. Like, I, it took me a minute to realize that, like, there's a reason that movies win these tech awards is because, like, those people work on those movies. So, like, the way I think about it is, like, oh, you just do it right and you'll win. But when I edit any podcast, I listen to it at two times speed and I don't cut out ums and I, you know, like, I don't do. And instead of, like, manually removing silences while the other person is talking, I just assume that the, the editing software does it for me. Um, so I definitely get, like, the there's a certain comfortability to, and I'm not, you know, I'm I, nobody's going to hire me to mix their movie, obviously. Right. But I, even at my amateur level, I don't do it as well as I know that I could. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and it's like so much of winning Oscars is about putting the right team together. Yes. And that's the thing is like, rarely do you see a movie nominated for best picture that was only nominated for best picture. Was there any this year? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Little Women? No, that got costumes. Uh, no, Little Women was nominated for everything. Oh, was it? Just not director. Just not director. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, It may not have been cinematography either, but also those are like a hard cap five movies usually. Yeah. Um, But it's like, it, it, for some reason that just clicked with me this year where I was like, maybe these are good movies because a bunch of, they, they like, they sort of plan them to be good movies, you know? Right. They hire people who are going to do the job well it definitely but like in the past i've just always thought about it as like oh man lightning really struck for these people but then i hear roger deakins is you know nominated 15 times for cinematography i'm like okay maybe this is the guy yeah, this guy knows what he's doing this guy knows what the people want but not just yeah. us people with the uh, actually you know what it is it's not this guy knows what the people want it's this guy wants what the people want right and he doesn't want it because the people want it he wants it because he wants it and the people want it because he wants it y- you lost me there i'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> <laughs> that um, yeah it's like if you look at the if you look at the, the credits of roger deakins the cinematographer who won for best cinematography you're definitely you're not confused as to where they found that name right well it's like I mean, if you're playing fifa and you're like i'm gonna get this one star uh recruiter who i'm gonna send to brazil and two seasons from now i'm gonna have the best team in the world and two seasons from then you have no players worthwhile it's like oh i wonder why that happened right. it's like oh because i didn't invest the money where it mattered <laughs> right and so if you're doing a movie about cars you gotta hire the people that know what they're doing with sound for sure yes but you should go watch that video with with your Bose headphones. It was it was a, a worthwhile like eleven minutes. <laughs> I'm sure I can carve out eleven minutes to knock that out. Yeah, it was it was fascinating because they like they just basically spend the whole time like looking at different scenes, like turning things on and off, mm-hmm. and they're just like at one point they were like, let's hear what this would sound like with wooden footsteps or with metal footsteps. Oh, that's cool. And they're just sitting there like, yeah, no, so it, it's actually concrete in the scene, but like concrete didn't sound right, and that's what always fascinates me about sound design is when it's like, well, we couldn't use the actual thing because it just didn't sound right. And that makes just sense. A weird it's such a weird thing to say yeah where it's like the boulder in indiana jones is that dude's honda civic gently rolling down a gravel road that's crazy but like amplified it's like the lightsaber is like a chainsaw and a a movie projector is it really yeah i didn't know that yeah it's like the sound it's by Mm -hmm. by like yeah i guess so it's the sound that you it's maybe it's not a chainsaw it's some kind of power tool i think that you get it's the sound that you get from miking up the movie projector while you run a chainsaw like next to it where you get that like, vroom, vroom. yeah. So those dudes are fascinating for sure. There's a lot that goes into making a movie, and 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 that was the thing is like, everything in this movie was flawlessly executed. Oh my gosh, yes. Even the daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. <laughs>
it wasn't too gory either. Like, obviously, there was the scene where there was blood, but uh, it did a pretty good job of avoiding that problem. Yeah, it, it took a very, like, you, you know how you, you know how Taika Waititi handled it in Hunt for the Wilder People? It's like a step back from that. No, I think it's more like Us, where Us was like, people are getting brutally murdered on screen, and there's just a slice of blood here. I mean, that's true. This movie it's, also it's reminded me a lot less, of Us. It's definitely less violent and less gory than Us. Yes, that was a good film. Oh, Us was great, yeah. Snubbed. Big... Big old snub this year. I don't know. I, I mean, not a single nomination. Yeah, that was they. I mean, but they called that out during uh, Janelle Monae's thing, where she, like there was people in the Us costumes dancing with yeah, her, and not people a in the single nomination. None for nothing. Us. None for Midsummer. Yeah, none for Midsummer. One total nomination for A twenty four this year, which was uh, best cinematography for The Lighthouse. Listen, I haven't even seen The Lighthouse, and I know for a fact that it should have won for Other, best cinematography. Well, I guess maybe not over nineteen seventeen, but that's yeah. That was just that you're 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 playing at that point. Every other movie was playing with half a deck right like I, I get it it's 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 one of those things where it's kind of cheesy but it's like you're gonna make a war movie in the style of birdman you made a convincing one shot <laughs> yeah you made a war movie into a convincing one or like that's impressive well they, i mean a lot of those shots in the movie are you know 14 minutes long like they're not short <laughs> But have you seen war movies yes that's a lesson on cuts my guy that is that is <laughs> like steven spielberg knows or pays somebody to know how to cut Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I, familiar. Chopped to bits. Yeah. Just like 27 cameras, just like stuff flying in from all over the place. And that was, the, that was the impressive thing about just the shots that I've seen from 1917 is like how they pulled off the effects along with the shooting. And what blows my mind about 1917 is like every time you watch a preview for it, it obviously doesn't do it any justice whatsoever. Because the trailers are so whack because of it. Well, there's it no has, way, yeah, there's no way to, to cut, cut it into a trailer. You can't just grab 45 seconds of it because it's still not convincing. Like, I don't think I would notice. I mean, I would, but I don't think the average person would notice like a 45 second one or. Yeah. Like literally, I've said it before about the trailer for 1917, the first one that came out where they have the awkward follow shot of the guy walking into the bunker. And it just looks really weird for a trailer, but I didn't know that it was shot like that. Yeah. When I saw the trailer, I was like, this is a really weird follow shot. Like, why are they putting this in the trailer? And then I was like, oh, because the whole movie's like this. When are, when are we going to make Bacon and Eggs a movie lover's movie? <laughs> Which is all shot in a wonder. Let me tell you something straight up. I'm 90% certain that if we made a movie, like if we went to studio and we were like, please give us $100 million. And we made a movie and we put it together, it would get a 0% critic rating. Well, none of us know anything about making movies. <laughs> We'd be like, yeah, I know how to operate a camera, but I don't know how to direct actors. I don't know how to Bro, act. Uh, let me tell you, you do not even know how to operate a movie camera. <laughs> no, I don't. You're exactly right. You could not turn it on. <laughs> I definitely, there's a lot of cables involved here. Where do I plug these in? And now they're everywhere. Crap. Like Roger Deakins got up there for cinematography and like thanked his first, second, and third focus pullers. <laughs> <laughs> the people whose job it is to make sure that the camera is focused because that's a whole person's job. Right. That's for for 8 months on a set, that is one man's trabajo. That is that is a job. And that's like the first if you want to be a cinematographer, that's the first job you do. Yeah. And you is you're like third focus puller. And you work for Roger Deakins. No, I think that Roger Deakins focus pullers probably are cinematographers. Career, career guys. Yeah. Yeah, career guys. They're lifers. Yeah. Like, that's probably, like, a job that you give to, like, Peter McKinnon. Who's Peter McKinnon? Why is He's this... a YouTuber. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, I was like, Peter McKinnon, Peter McKinnon, Peter, P Peter Jackson, Percy Jackson, the lightning yeah. thief himself. <laughs> the job you give to Percy Jackson? <laughs> the lightning thief. <laughs> the lightning thief himself. Who knew? Also great at focusing a camera. Great. Just just exceptional. He will get, he will get Reese Witherspoon in a shot on a dramatic streaming service, uh, 
uh, uh, television show like you wouldn't believe. Reese Witherspoon coming out of nowhere with that win, by the way. What did she win for? Not Reese Witherspoon. Sorry. Renee Zellweger. <laughs> Renee Zellweger. I was like, sorry, Reese Witherspoon was I in a movie? Confused. I got confused. Renee Zellweger is an RW. Yeah, but there's a W in there. <laughs> I've always had them locked together in my brain for some reason. That's so weird because they don't look similar at all. They don't, but like they're the same person to me. Renee Zellweger falls into the category of, uh, oh my gosh, who does she remind me of? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't know. Uh, she came out of nowhere with that best actress win. Uma Thurman. Well, they have both not really been in movies recently. That's true. Renee Zellweger was in a movie about Judy Garland that eight people saw. It's true. It's true. I would like to see it. It looks great. It does look great, but I don't think I looked all the way at the nomination list, apparently, because I don't remember her being nominated, and then they got up there and showed the clip from Judy, and I was like, who's playing Judy Garland? They were like, <laughs> Renee Zellweger from Judy, and I was like, what? Yes. And they turn around and was like, oh, and she wins, too, and I was like, what? Yes, it was Cynthia Erivo, the one black acting nominee. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Z. Ronan, uh, Charlie, Charlize Theron. Sersha. Sersha? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm the worst. It's all good. Uh, Charlotte Johansson. I'm oh, sorry, Charlotte jo- Johansson. Johansson? Johansson. Son of Johan. Uh, yeah, Parasite and then was so good. Renee Zellweger. So good. For Judy. Renee Zellweger would have ruined this movie. You think Renee Zellweger wouldn't fit in this movie? It would have been really weird if she like came in and was just like, what's up, guys? There's a movie that had one white person in it for like one shot. You don't think yeah. Renee Zellweger would have fit? Yeah, no, I don't. It's entirely Korean. Correct. You don't think I don't Renee think she Z- speaks Korean at all. How is Renee Zellweger? I don't even Korean? think that Renee Zellweger could read the script. I don't think she could. I couldn't. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you can't be a white person in this movie. You can't even, like, fake it. Because you can't read the script. There's only one white person that I saw, right? It's the dad of the German family. It was the only white person I saw yeah. in the whole movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. And Sam Jackson was in it. He was an extra in the saloon scene. No, that was a different movie. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I'm glad I didn't buy this movie. I'm never going to watch it again, uh, but I'm glad I saw it. Oh, man. Twitter exploded when Bong Joon-ho won for Best Director for this movie. And they're just like, you're going you're gonna to pick this person over Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. And like, I cannot imagine two people who would probably be more excited to lose to, to like a, a, a very nice, drunk Korean man. <laughs> <laughs> he and he quoted Scorsese in this best director speech that we know of. What do you mean? His translator could have said, or sorry, his interpreter could have said anything. <laughs> is translator not the right word? It's interpreter, yeah. Oh, what? what uh, can you shed some light on why that is? Because I don't uh, know. I've never heard that. Maybe? I believe. I know it is interpreter. I cannot exactly remember why. I believe translation is written and interpretation is spoken. Gotcha. The person was good at their job. As soon as he said like six words, I was like, well, and I'm lost. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she was, she was very good. Uh, she is apparently also a filmmaker and I think worked on the movie. Was she the daughter? She was not the daughter, but she has apparently been with him through all of this whole award season, uh, like including the festivals and everything. And she's apparently making a movie about, uh, what it's like to be an Asian doing American festivals and, and award seasons. It's called Parasite 2 Electric (laughs) Boogaloo. Yeah. It's called Parasite 2 People Are Mean to Koreans. It's called Parasite 2. You didn't nominate any black people, but you did nominate Korean people. You did nominate. Well, you nominated Korean person. Korean person. Because there was no, uh, no acting nominees for this movie. I was surprised by that. The acting I thought was really good, but I don't 
I thought it was as well. Uh, I don't know that it was any better than, like, I've only seen clips of Joker, but listen, I don't think it ever should have been nominated for anything, especially not after there was like a discussion about whether or not Heath Ledger would win supporting actor. Uh, and he did. Good job. Um, but like all the clips I've seen from that movie are somebody read a script and made that come to life in a horrifying way. Man, I did not, I don't want to talk about Joker too much by any means. I did not realize that that was the song that was playing when he was walking down the stairs. What song is it? It's like, it's like rock and roll part two yes. that we played as a stand tune. Yes. The Hey song. Yeah. Hey. Da, 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 da. Da, da, da. Hey. Yeah. That's the song apparently. Cause I remember that. I remember the tweet when the movie first came out that was just like everything combined here. So perfectly his dancing, the sound of the bells, the music. And it was just, it was like a, like a gif without, sound and you can like hear this like i I would have thought it was like an opera track i would have thought it yeah it was like like when andy dufresne in shawshank redemption plays the the italian opera music yes that's exactly french opera music and morgan freeman's like i don't know what those two french ladies were singing about but i knew they sounded happy (laughs) that's exactly what i pictured or like a score it won for best score which is wild yeah i i don't feel like I, like when I think Joker, I don't think like no 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 Joker. Yeah, but then it was like yeah, and they played the clip during the uh, I think it was production design or whatever. One one of the ones where they played the clip and of him walking down the stairs had the music going, and I was like, this is really this is what plays. Yeah, this song, Rock and Roll Part Two by Gary Glitter. Gary Glitter, what a name. This is what plays. And then that girl came up and was just like, I thank you for my Oscar. (laughs) you, John Williams. (laughs) Screw you, Star Wars. Absolutely, absolute madness that uh, John Williams did not win for his last Star Wars movie. I know. What a what a kick in the face. But like it's sort of saying we've moved on. Oh, for sure. But I was just shocked. Yeah. I don't think it's the same as... uh, like Return of the King. No, I don't either, but it's John Williams. Yeah. Like that very well might be his last movie. And then Randy Newman lost for best score as well for doing Marriage Story, apparently. Randy Newman, the Toy Story guy. Did Marriage Story, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did Marriage Story. It's nominated the- for two Oscars for best original song for Toy Story and best original score. Yeah. And that's absolute madness to yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, you could write a book, movie about anything and make the second word story and Randy Newman shows up at your door. Apparently. It's just like, I, I saw Marriage Story and no point was I like, this is Randy Newman. Like, Randy Newman's music has like a, like a, like a feel, you know? Mm-hmm. That was not it. The score in Marriage, score in Marriage Story is brilliant, though. The score in this was brilliant. Brilliant music. Absolutely. Knowing when to use music is what this movie did. What do you know about the movie Harriet? Absolutely nothing, except that song smacks. What song? What the song that they played? The one that nom- got nominated. Oh, all I know is I've never heard of Cynthia Erivo, but I remember seeing the preview and being like, "Oh, this is just Hamilton, but about actual black people." So if if Cynthia Erivo had won either for best actress or best original song, she would have completed her EGOT. Really? Yes. Oh, that would have been cool. So she won a, uh, <clears throat> and I'm not sure about the. Eh, hang on a second, I'll double check on the Emmy part. But she won um a, her her Grammy and her Tony. For the revival of the color purple in 2007 or 16, um, for like obviously she won the Tony for being in a musical, and then she won the Grammy for like best musical album. It, to be to to win the EGOT, you really got to be in a musical. That's that's the key. Yeah. You got to be on a Broadway musical. That's that's, that's the, trick. the challenge. Yeah. Well, that apparently is the challenge, but it sounds like Cynthia Erivo and Le- uh, Lin Manuel are both an Oscar shy. Yeah, but like there's lots of people, lots and lots and lots of people who have won Oscars that will never get it. Oh yeah, the Tony, the Tony for most Oscar winners is the hard part. Yeah, I don't, I don't 
see Leo uh, doing Kinky Boots revival anytime soon. So she won Outstanding Musical Performance in a Daytime Program. Okay. And I don't know exactly what program. Uh, or what performance. Uh, let's see. It must have been like... the She sang... A song for the color purple on the Today Show. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, she was I was going to say Good Morning America. Or Ellen. But I love that as of 2016, there is an Emmy for people that go on <laughs> morning time TV shows and sing stuff. That's like the one we had the other week that was like, uh, best, they were like best guest best, in a sitcom. <laughs> best, yeah, on a, best young new guest in a family program or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but literally, they're like, they are trying to get people to win their EGOTs now with this with this award. Yeah, that makes it a lot easier. Like Ben Platt has an Emmy for, for singing You'll Be Found on the Today Show. Well, that's such a cop out. Yeah. Uh, who has? It looks it? like they have all gone to. Who uh, has the EGOT? Who, what, like, is there a long list of people or is there like, it's like, it's like 15 people. Hang on. Okay. I will tell you. The first one I know was Richard Rogers of Rogers and Hammerstein. I know what that is. They were, uh, they composed musicals. And uh, he is also a tight end for the Green Bay Packers. Nailed it. Uh, he is no longer with the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> so you got one, two, three, four, five, six, fifteen. Yeah, 15 people who have won the EGOT, including John Legend. What a club. Yeah, so you got Richard Rogers, Helen Hayes. I don't know who that is. John Legend, Moreno, I could do it. Because John Legend- John he wrote a song Guy, for he, Guy Gould, Audrey Hepburn, uh, Mel Brooks, Whoopi Goldberg, Scott Rudin, John Legend, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Tim Rice, and then some other people I never heard of. So it's about writing music for the most part, it looks like. Yeah. John Legend, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Tim Rice all um, won theirs in the same year, which I have to imagine was for that uh, Jesus Christ Superstar thing, the live TV one. Oh, must have been. That had to have completed all of that for... What does John Legend want an Oscar for? La La Land. Did he do? He, what did he have to do with La La Land? He performed a song in it. Did he? Yeah, but that would have been... I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's his Oscar. Um, looking at it. Academy Award. No. Original song for Glory from Selma. Really? Yep. John Legend and Common. Huh. So Common has an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> Makes you think about like when, like, when, when, when they do cribs at Soldier Boy's house. He's like, "Yeah, I got the big pimp and cup, won that award." And then Common's like, "This is my Oscar. This is my Oscar." <laughs> it's like Eminem came out and performed "Lose Yourself," the song that he won an Oscar for, like eighteen years eighteen ago. years ago, and didn't go to the Oscars. <laughs> and nobody, there's no hosts, so nobody said anything about it. <laughs> it just happened. It's like Taika Waititi came out, or no, Lin Manuel Miranda came out and introduced a montage, and then it ended of songs that have won Best Original Song, and then at the end they played "Lose Yourself" and Eminem wrote out of the stage and performed Lose Yourself. Yeah, they played this montage. And then they went to commercial. Lin-Manuel uh, introduces like this whole montage and then at the end a white rapper comes out and sings. Yeah. Anthony Ramos, who was in Hamilton and is going to probably be nominated for Best Actor next year for In the Heights. Usnavi. Usnavi. Good morning, um, Usnavi. Yeah, I definitely, like, Anthony Ramos came out and was just like, yeah, I've never been to the Oscars before. You can see him looking around like, where am I going to sit next year? <laughs> uh, he introduces Lynn, right? Yeah. Yeah, he introduced Lynn, who then introduced a montage that introduced Eminem. I think Lynn should have hosted. I think he should host every year. He should have I every award I'm, show I'm, every year. I like the no host I, I thing. also like no host. I thought Chris Rock and uh, uh, Steve Martin were hilarious. Yeah, doing their like, so-and-so's here. 
thing. Yeah. And Janelle Monet was great. Yes. That's what I love about the, the Oscars is that like the Academy has absolutely nothing to do with putting the award show on. Right. They just make their votes. They just make their votes. They give the awards. So like Chris Rock can go up there and say whatever he wants with no no fear of repercussions. They're going to ask him to do it again. He's Chris Rock. He's the funniest man alive. Yeah. Steve Martin was like, now you've hosted the Oscars and I've hosted the Oscars and here we are not hosting the Oscars. <laughs> I thought it was funny that, I mean, like, I guess obviously they left right after that, but I thought it was funny that they left right after that. What do you mean? Like, that they just didn't show up again. They weren't in the crowd. They never, like, camera never panned to them. They were just gone. Oh, yeah. God. Chris Rock introducing Cynthia Revo being there and saying the thing about Cynthia Revo and Harriet did such a good job hiding black people that the Academy asked her to hide all the nominees. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, you're under the stage. <laughs> I was dying, man. Chris Rock and Steve Martin. Steve Martin's just like setting him up to say these things. Well, because Steve Martin can't say this stuff. No, exactly. But he gets it. Yeah. Uh, but swinging back around to Parasite, enough about the uh, the the 92nd annual Oscars. I think so. Uh, Parasite was fascinating. Great movie. Uh, I just, I don't even know what else to say about it. I was like, this is a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a perfect movie. It is perfect. I did feel like if this were in English, I don't think it would have worked as well. No, absolutely not. Because I don't think like, there's a certain believability to it that maybe the, the foreign language helps. I don't think that you would succeed in getting four people from the same family to work for this rich family without somebody obviously noticing what's going on. Well, and, and what I mean by that is not that like all Korean people look the same or anything like that, because that obviously is not the case. Everybody in this movie looked different. Um, I just felt like I, I don't I don't know how to describe it, but I feel like it would be I don't know. I felt like the tutor gets the uh, yeah the tutor gets the the art teacher hired. I mean exactly what you said. You know they took it. A step oh yeah, too that far. would not have that definitely would not go over like that in the states. Right. And that's just that that's a completely different cultural thing. It's like, you know, for some of those countries, the, the, the word of mouth thing is so much stronger. I mean, apparently. <laughs> Again, I wouldn't that's, have known. I mean, that's but... not an uncommon, from my experience with uh, especially East Asian cinema, that is not an uncommon theme of like, you're really conscious about who you recommend. Right. Or what you recommend and, and what for. And I definitely think that there's a certain level of, like, I feel like a lot of the characters um, reminded me a lot of the role that uh, Jin played in Lost, where he he just had this, like, stoicism, this natural stoicism to him. Yes. And, he and there was, like, the, 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 the actors that played the, the Kims were so just able to be so detached from everything in a way that like American actors are not able to do. Yes. Like their, their, their stoicism, their detachment, their like ability to disconnect from what they're doing felt so natural in this movie in a way that it just wouldn't have with a different, I think in a different language. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. This is a really tough conversation to have. It is. I do think there's this weird thing where I don't, I don't, this is sort of changing gears here. I love that this movie was nominated. I love that it won. Uh, but it is like weird to go into the award shows and the award seasons and everything and be like, man, all of these movies that were nominated and won things were for straight cis white men. And it's very tough for me, a straight cis white man, to be like, yeah, screw those movies that I really liked and were made for me. Do so you know what I'm saying? It's like this weird... <sighs> I'm confused. What? What? what do you, which movies? Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Like this is a movie made for straight cis white dudes 100 percent, right yeah but other people like that's the difference between a movie like once upon a time in hollywood and a, and a difference not that we should make movies to pander to straight cis white dudes but like a lot of people that are not straight cis white dudes like that movie 
because it's awesome. Because there's a certain level of like, there's definitely a certain level of, of especially when it comes to, to movies, but like even so more, more so with books and and everything is like the idea of not telling someone else's story. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 there's a, a, a and it's a, a much more recent thing where you're supposed to write and make movies sort of inside your lane. Yes, and that's that's what. But then like you also can't tell these people that that are great filmmakers to not make you you can tell them to write to make movies inside their lane, but then you can't get mad when they continue to make movies. Right. And that was, uh, I mean, that was the comment that Pong Joon-ho like, made was that like Scorsese says the best movies are the ones that are most personal to you, which is kind of a weird comment after having seen the film. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I think it, it is easiest to tell the story that you most understand, which is your own. I mean, this is definitely Bong Joon-ho being sort of an, what I can only imagine to be like an upper class cream of the crop Korean guy, but still looking down on everything and going, yeah, eat the rich for sure. Like I'm rich. It sucks. Yeah. Oh, speaking of eat the rich, did you think for a second during the ending that he was going to say that he ate the old housekeeper? I thought for a lot of seconds that everybody was going to be cannibals. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely saw the movie going that direction. Because this movie definitely, when when it started, I did not see where it was going to end. And I definitely was waiting for the like, this is what's wrong with the Park family. They eat people. They Yeah, it's like, they eat poor people right. or some, something like that. A modest proposal. What? That's the Jonathan Swift, let's eat poor people thing, right? I don't know. Oh, come on. Freshman year of college, English class. Uh, Yeah, we read like James Joyce. We had the same professor, except they were husband and wife. So for I had the wife. Freshman English? I had I had cornet sophomore year. I had cornet for the greed is good class, where you read like Bonfire of the Vanities and Devil in the White City. No, not Devil in the White City. Something else that sounds like Devil in the White City. Devil in the White City is nonfiction. We read some nonfiction, but I don't think Devil in the White City was out then. But it was something with a similar title. Also, Devil in the White City is a great name wasted on a nonfiction book. So yeah, Devil in the White City. But yeah, it's like yeah. I have nothing against uh, nonfiction. I mean, I do kind of have stuff against nonfiction. Like I am deeply uninterested in nonfiction usually. Um, just as far as books go. But like you could have called that book anything. Don't steal Devil in the White City for a nonfiction book about the World's Fair. Sometimes you just got to. Don't like don't y y when you come up with the title "Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone." If you're a girl, you. Call Call somebody else and say, hey, I've got a movie title for you. I'm going to figure something else to call my short documentary. Well, I'm going to give you a one sentence summary of A Modest Proposal that I found on schmoop.com, which I've never heard of. A modest proposal begins by lamenting the sad fate of poverty-stricken Irish who have to spend all their time looking for food to stuff in their kids' mouths. Luckily, the author has come up with an excellent way to put the brats to good use, raise them as food for wealthy citizens. Really, it all makes per perfect sense. If you aren't entirely convinced right away, he proceeds to spell out the benefits. Isn't this the same guy that wrote Gulliver's Travels? Jonathan Swift? Yeah. Might be? Yeah, it is. Gulliver's Travels, 19, or 1726, and A Modest Proposal, uh, 1729. Gulliver's Travels was like uh, multiverse before the multiverse. For sure. it was. That was back when you couldn't just write a book. I mean, it is a book. I mean, it is a book, but it's also like a you know, complex political allegory. It's good. I like Gulliver's Travels. That was back when you had to be a philosopher to write a book. Yeah. Well, 1726, I mean, the printing press had been around for like 109 years. So we're at about that point in film. And you know what? Things are quite crazy. Things are quite crazy. <laughs> <laughs> for sure you had you had uh like a movie based on a book written like 150 years ago you had a movie about cars you had a movie about like this all up for the same award and all like really good movies yeah. <laughs> i loved the comment uh oh who is, is the presenter talking about ford versus ferrari who was like i have both it's not even close <laughs> oh yeah it's like i have a ford <laughs> <laughs> 
it's not even close. Um, yeah, no, for sure. It was, and it was definitely tough for me as the straight cis white dude being like, I really like the movie about the cars. Yeah, I really like that one. <laughs> it was really good, though. It's like, the thing is, it's, it's a fascinating movie. It is captivating up to the last minute. Well, and it's a story that, like, people who love cars love that story. Right. And it's just, it's a great story about, like, America and being a person. And, you know, it's a movie worth watching. It just, like, it only has one woman in it. And I don't think she talks to another woman because she's the only woman. <sighs> And, like, it's complicated to be like, I really liked this movie. I think I liked it as much, if not more, than Little Women. Uh, oh, and in that list was also a movie about a kid that imagines that his best friend is Hitler. Right. <laughs> and a divorce. Nothing good, And a movie really. about divorce. Nothing good, really. Oh, Except for Little happy Women. Happy movies. I mean, uh, well, Jojo Rabbit, for the most part, was extremely upbeat. Um, Little Women is also partially sad. One of those girls dies. I know. Everybody seemed to get really hurt by that. I just felt like, nah, she wasn't in the movie that much. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to kill one of them off. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to kill one of them off, it's clearly this one. <laughs> she is much less interesting because she's been sick her whole life. Right. I feel bad because I think there's a, an air of truth to the film. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's 150 years old. That's true. That's true. Let's not forget Hitler was in one of these movies. I just said that. I know. <laughs> yeah, and this the thing is like Hitler was in one of these movies, and also it was still rad. <laughs> There's a couple movies that Hitler's in that are rad, like uh, Glorious Bastards is rad. Yeah, I guess uh, Hitler existed in 1917. Yes, he would have been. Like, he was alive. He been young, right? Like really young. I don't. I don't think really young. I don't know how old Hitler was when he uh, died. Most power. But yeah, I have no idea. Right. And I'm not going to just Google Adolf Hitler right now. <laughs> well, let's do some. It's not going to do Let's do some wrapping of the show. I've had a good time chatting with my best friend, Ethan, tonight. Thanks for chatting with me, Ethan. Bye. <laughs> okay. I can't quote this. I guess it's left to me to do all of the things and put everything on the board. <laughs> no, no. I just realized I can't do the thing we do at the end because I don't know any of the words in this movie. Oh. <laughs> uh, so we need a breakfast food for Parasite. Um, I feel like it's like hard-boiled cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like uh, that. You know, the scene in uh, Emperor's New Groove where like, they hit this- Or they eat the pill bugs. Yeah, the pill bugs. <laughs> you gonna finish that? Is there anything here that's not swimming in gravy? Uh, On second thought, I'll have a salad. <laughs> Make my potatoes a salad. Oh, that's yeah. it. Uh, squeak, squeak it, squeak, squeaker. <laughs> uh, breakfast food for Parasite. One day I'm just going to do the entire episode in the in the Patrick Warburton voice. Like as a squirrel? No, just in <laughs> at, in the voice. Hi, Diego, welcome back to the Bacon and Eggs. Squeak, squeak it, squeak, squeaker. And I'm Patrick Warburton. <laughs> I bet he would come on this, this show. Movie I could shoot him an email. Phenomenal. What? Little did the Baudelaire children know. <laughs> Now, you know who I like? Man, I wish that show was better. You know, I, every time I watched that show, I was like, oh, I like this, but I'm not drawn in at all. Yeah, it's like I watched the first three episodes, I'm like, this is dope, and then season two came around, and I was like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I, I have all but given up television at this point. It's so hard between this show and bagels and work and baby, which is- Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a show I'm like watching. I haven't had a show I'm watching for a long time. Yeah. 
It's hard. It's hard. I've started like, yeah, I've started just like watching because for a long time while we were doing the show, like the only movie I watched every week was was the show movie was the show movie. But I think I've seen like probably 16 movies in February so far. That's a lot. Yeah, I've seen two maybe. What did I review last week? Were you there? What did we talk about? Once upon a time Once in Hollywood. Once upon a time in Hollywood, which is the uh, which I watched in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, so yeah, probably the, anyway, probably the one. Um, if if uh, where do we put Parasite on the board? So did we agree? <laughs> on soft-boiled cockroach. I mean, there's not a good breakfast food. Comparing a movie to a breakfast food is really hard. <laughs> it is really hard. Nothing we say makes any sense. <laughs> That's true. Like, it was cool and campy at first, and now it just feels like a chore, and every week it depresses me. I don't want to necessarily want to stop doing it, but I'm out of clever ideas to name movies after. Yeah, I would agree with, with everything that you just said. It's hard. It is hard. It's, 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 uh... Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the big board, uh, is this better than Star Wars? Is that the top? Yeah. Really? And Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and then Klaus, and then Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Frozen 2, Coco. Man, we've watched some good movies this year so far. <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, this is this is better than Star Wars, but I would, yeah, it just I, is. I would watch this over Star Wars. I mean, it's, I would it's better than Star Wars, though. Yeah, but this is our subjective opinion, not like a. And my subjective opinion is it's a better movie. <laughs> Well, by that standard, so is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Klaus. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have no problem putting Klaus at the top of the list. Yeah. How about- I'm still mad for Klaus. Well, how about we put it above, below Klaus? This? Yeah. This is better than Klaus and Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> Okay, I'm not yeti ready. I'm not yeti ready to get rid of Star Wars. I'm honestly just glad Star Wars is over, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I'm just ready to move on from franchises. Do you, do you I'm, ever I'm, wonder if, like, through this whole process of bacon and eggs, we have, like, become these annoying cinephile types who are done with franchises and just want to watch original stories? Or do you think that, like, the actual general public has shifted this way uh, and we are just, like, a, just on that train as well? I think that I have, I have, for the most part, always been the cinephile type and you beat me into shape for three years. <laughs> oh, I do love a good, uh... Cause like I've thoroughly enjoyed during the show. I love the MCU movies. When you did I when you told me we're like, oh, we're gonna review Iron Man and then 20 Marvel movies in a row, I definitely was like, oh god. Why? <laughs> I love the like, MCU. That was a big ask. I like movies like this. I do too. I, either, Not every single time, but like I think the world's more than your average person. I think the world's big enough for both. I agree. I don't think we've done a lot of both. We've done more of both this year than in other years. Correct. And I'm. I, it's been very exciting. We did Hocus Pocus this year. Yeah. So bad. Garbo. Hoaxu, Pokesu. Okay. So it's at the top. Uh, do you want to shout out all the people that make this show happen? Yeah. Um, cool. Um, so thank you for listening to another episode of Bacon and Eggs. We've had a pleasure making it for you. I hope you have a pleasure listening to it. And uh, this show is made possible by you guys, the patrons, and also the people in our Facebook group that we don't talk to as much as we used to, but I miss you a lot. I'm just bad at posting on Facebook. But you make the show happen. You guys are the reason we do it, for sure. Everybody that listens. Um, and also, like, it's literally made possible by Vaishon Brandon, who does all of our graphics for everything. And Andrew Scott Bell does our music, and he's wonderful, and I love our music, and I miss him. And he he showed me a video about Ford versus Ferrari and it was beautiful. And also this episode was made possible by the WBNE network and all the wonderful shows that we have over on WBNE. And I'm very excited to record a new episode of the, the named but not yet announced Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Ooh, maybe we'll announce that in the uh, hash browns. Uh, well, I'm recording the first episode on Saturday, so I kind of like to see how that goes first. Well, you, you, there's like a chance you're not going to make the show. 
No, 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 no. I just, just kind of want to get on base with everybody before we forgot an announcement. Okay. Um, so maybe we'll do that in the Hash Browns next week. Pippi Bravado has, I, I found my role in the show. I don't know if you've talked to, uh, if we're producers, what does that make Jordan? Director? Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Probably, yeah, that'd be the most cinematic congruent. We, the the creator, uh, involved, the lead creator on the project. Yeah. Uh, if anything, like, yeah, like, executive producers is us. Yes. But also me, who is going to be, like, hands-on producing it. I don't know, it's complicated. Production means a different thing in audio than it does in uh, movies anyway. Right. And be sure to check out our Patreon page. Like like I said at the beginning of the show, we are offering the same promotion we did in January. We had a lot of fun with it. Right? It was December. I don't know. Any new and upgrading patron... It was December. Any new or upgrading patron that joins our Patreon page at any level. So if you are not a patron and you want to join at $1, if you're not a patron and you want to join at 3 or 5 or 25 or 250 um, or if you are a current patron and you go from 3 to 5 or 5 to 10 or whatever it is, uh, we will send you a sticker. And I ordered the stickers and they're awesome. If you did that in December, you're getting a really cool radio sticker that says from WB&E on it. And if you did it in uh, February, then you are getting a Camp Bacon and Egg sticker. And I'm really excited about it. And also check out Hello from Elsewhere by Casey Winters and Valerie Winters. And we're going to play a promo for them right now. And I'm actually going to remember to put it in the episode this week. <laughs> Hi, I'm Valerie. And I'm Casey. And we're a married couple who loves to travel through fictional worlds. On our podcast, Hello from Elsewhere, we dive deep into the themes and characters of movies and books, all through a positive lens. We explore all your biggest questions, like... What is Steven Spielberg's obsession with father figures? What is the history of fictional maps? And why are animated foxes so attractive? Oh, Robin Hood. From Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Jane Austen. To Star Wars, Marvel, and classic Hollywood. If it's pop culture, we're interested in exploring the meaning behind it. With new episodes every other Friday, come visit us in Elsewhere. Cool! Thank you for listening to Bacon and Eggs! I've been Ethan Edchill. We come to you from the internet. He's been Tyler Carlin. Until next week, Arrivederci! And I don't know any words in Korean.